movie podcast for this month's 3x3 three three. it's about soup <laughs> my name is Tom Chick I am here with Christian Morolowski it's Gangarosa it's an Italian surname don't know what that is and Kelly Wand with the tagline for soup it was Jackie Mason who said you know how movies always have sex scenes and the studios say that's because sex is part of life and movies should be lifelike. Why don't movies have more soup scenes? Soup is part of life. No one was ever too tired to have soup. Hmm. All right. What is the? That... Uh, someone just walked in. Politics is Arnold Schwarzenegger. What? <laughs> what is the favorite sport of soup? Bowling. <laughs> Arnold, give the mic back to Kelly Wand, please. What is the soup's favorite sexual position? Spooning. Ah, okay, Arnold, that's enough. Not a sexual People position. People don't want that. I, the way I do it. Oh. Kelly, want tell Arnold that we've got to talk about movies we've seen this week before we get into soup. What did Soup name his infant son? Stew. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Those are two different things. Biggest. <laughs> All right, Kelly Wan, before we get into your 3x3, three three, and that, that was a cracking <laughs> beginning, but let's first talk about movies we have seen this week. Cracking. Dingus, what's a movie that you saw this week? <laughs> did you say cracking? I did. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was trying to find a soup pun in there. Were you watching? Pun proof. I thought you might have been watching Wallace and Gromit this week, because that sounds like something that, uh, that Wallace would say. It's a Britishism. It is a Britishism. I agree with you. <laughs> I'm not going to do the accent. <laughs> All right. Uh, this week I saw a movie um, called Cold War. Sorry, I fell asleep. Dingus, are you done talking about it now? <laughs> yes, I am. All right. Uh, I am nuts about this movie. I, I love it. Uh, uh, a friend of ours, uh, Bruce, uh, said it was too slow for Dingus. And the first uh, I don't know. Twenty-five minutes is very slow, but beautiful. It's just gorgeous, gorgeous movie. Um, and then it gets to it. It, it basically covers like a a twenty, a, a 20 to thirty-year period uh, during the titular Cold War. Uh, but it's this just gorgeous love story. And one, and there's there are these there are a couple scenes that happen in Paris where this, the movie suddenly catches fire for me and I just, I could not look away from it. Um, uh, it's, it's going to sit in the same <laughs> sad, uh, house that, uh, Roma will sit for you guys in that it's a, it's a house where the movie will play that you will not go into. But it's not uh, black and white though. It's got that going for it. It's black and white and it's in Polish. Cold war is black and white. Oh, yeah. it's in Polish. Oh, it's I can handle it, Polish. The black and white, though. Oh, dang it. You're killing us. It's go. It's oh, my God. It's so beautiful. How can it be gorgeous if it's in black and white? That's impossible. Well, it's directed by this guy named uh, Pavel, Pavel Pavlovsky. Right. Yeah, he's yeah. famous. Uh, who uh, who directed this movie <laughs> I saw a couple years ago called Ida or Ida, which is just a beautiful movie as well. Um, and the two leads in this movie are 
freaking phenomenal. Uh, there, it's uh, it's it's Jana Kolik and uh, um, gosh, and Tomasz Kot, uh, and they are luminous. They're amazing, and they just have such great, strange uh, chemistry. And he and he in in particular is just. Uh, just elect he's just this, this electric personality uh and she does this wonderful thing where she understands how to age across the movie um and the movie's not shot in uh in chronological order because you can't afford to do that in most movies um but she still maintains her uh sorry i have to take my dog's collar off um she took are you wearing it well because uh, <laughs> Somebody has to take me for a walk every now and then, um, because I mean, but she, but their their relationship is just phenomenal. It spans this long this long period of time, and the reason I bring up Roma is not just because of the black and white aspect and the foreign language aspect, but also because it's it seems to be an extremely personal film uh, for this filmmaker that because he dedicated it to his parents, and I think it's loosely based on um, some events in his parents' lives, uh, but it's just a I mean, it's it's a phenomenal uh, it's a phenomenal love story, and I'm a little bit obsessed with it. I'm afraid, uh, so I'm I, I'm sorry to I'm sorry to be so effusive, but I'm really really <laughs> excited about this movie Cold War, and I totally understand why. At first, I was watching, and I'm like, why in the world would this guy have been nominated for best director for this? I mean, it just kind of gets going, and there's this whole smoking aspect that I, that I really groove on in black and white movies that. Uh, that make me think of movies like um, like Casablanca or The Big Sleep, uh, that uh, where where a couple characters are sharing a cigarette for the first half of the movie. It's it's just really got this really great vibe to it, but still it's just like we're moving along very slowly, and then it just catches fire. Um, so anyway, uh, I I heartily recommend Cold War. Get it? For those catches of you. fire. Yeah, Cold War. Uh, I highly recommend it for those of you who can stand watching something in black and white and Polish. So Roma is three and a half hours long. How old is how long is Cold War? Uh, Cold War takes place in in three acts, uh, each Ugh. hours long. Ugh. No, it's 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 an hour and a half. Ugh. It's an hour and twenty nine minutes. Come if on. If it was a thirty minute sitcom, maybe. I'm only like student films that are that long. <laughs> Well, now I'm going to have to change what I talk about because I was going to talk about a long, slow foreign movie. But okay. Kelly Wand, while I think of something else to talk about, what did you see this week? Uh, real quick, let me do uh, my one of my favorite quotes from it. Uh, do it I, in Polish. Uh, I will not do it in Polish, but no. I, I do I do love – there is a moment, a subtitle moment that almost made me try to make subtitles my next um, – Three by three topic, but we've already done favorite subtitle moments, and it's it's this moment where the the bar is closing, and and the woman closing the bar is basically saying, "Look, she hasn't shown up; she's not going to show up." And then a woman shows up at the door, and 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 all you see in the subtitle is the the woman behind the bar going, "Ah." <laughs> but my my favorite line, I, one of my favorite lines in the movie is, "I love you, but I have to puke now." <laughs> Yeah, I've been I, on that day. I love that moment. I love you, but I have to puke now. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Kelly. I've only heard the second part on dates. But anyway, um, <laughs> so we saw um, the rover. And went, oh, my God, Robert Pattinson's really good. And he's good in a good time. 
and a wise man told me that Kristen Stewart was our Brando. Oh, God. So I wanted to see if I could get the hat trick, and we were wrong about all three of the Twilight kids. So I watched, and mostly because it was on German Netflix and I was stoned. I thought oh. I'd seen this, but go ahead. Oh, you have it? Well, I thought, I thought he was a bike messenger. Is that the one? Okay, it's funny you say that because I thought – okay, it's called uh, Taylor Lautner's Abduction. It's not called and... Taylor Lautner. You can't put his name in the title yet. <laughs> All right. And besides, that, make it, that makes it sound like he was abducted. Nobody, nobody's abducted in it. That's what's weird. <laughs> That's one thing about it I'd like to say straight out. But also, okay, you know how um, you thought it was whatever you said? And I always see movies, and I, I assume what they're like from, like, the trailers or just what the title is. Like, I thought American Ultra was about magic weed, and he's, like, a super weapon because when he smokes weed, he gets really good at killing assassins. That's what I thought the movie was going to be. And but instead, it's just boring and joke-free. Uh, but uh, I thought from the trailer for this, which I remember watching, that he was like uh, – he's like a super weapon, and he he finds it out. And, like, he has super abilities, and he's like a magic killer or something. But he's not, and it has nothing to do with anything. It's like his phone is the MacGuffin, and he's just a kid who's raised by fake parrots. Like It's like Total Recall without anything good in it. But you know how they have to cut around Steven Seagal's fat in his action movies? <laughs> like, Taylor Lautner, they have to cut around his talking because he never says <laughs> He's like the most inexpressive sounding and looking actor I've ever seen. He's so impassive all the time no matter what's happening. And it's like watching a mannequin slowly tip over onto a mound of dust. And his, I remember the trailer... Uh, and I go, oh, look, he, he's a super weapon. The reason I thought it, because it showed him sliding down a ramp of glass windows in the trailer, holding a gun for some reason. And uh, in the movie, that's like his third act. So that's the buddy shot as he slides down the ramp of glass. <laughs> and then it, he lands and he breaks his ankle. And then he like lips out and then someone else snipes the bad guy. But yeah, he's not abducted. And it opens with his friends driving around while he's on a car hood. And he's like, yeah, I'm Taylor Lautner. Woo! And he's like screaming. Like, uh, and he has a black friend. And so the girl lives across the street. And he's really into her. But he never asked her out. And she finally asks him why. And he's like, I don't know. But she's always with this other guy. And they fight at a party. He's like, oh, you bumped into me. And then she's like, no, he's not my boyfriend. So... They're on the lab together, and he's making out with her on a train, and they're both getting super horny. And then she's like, "We should get some food." And then she goes—that means she gets food while he sits in the train car. So like, she's in the train cafeteria, she's putting burgers and cellophane salads on a tray. And while she's doing it, this is how bad this movie is. She's like, "He'll like to eat this." She's like talking to herself, but what he'll want to eat. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, the bad guy's a Russian, and he threatens to kill his Facebook friends. And then when he says that line, there's like little close-ups of the friends, so you remember who they are in the movie. Maybe I haven't seen this. Maybe I'm thinking of the bicycle race in Tomb Raider. Uh, <laughs> okay, this is the last thing I'll say about it. So he, the Russian guy who says he's going to kill his uh, Facebook friends... Mm -hmm. He tricks the guy because the guy's like, I'm going to kill you Pittsburgh. And he says, okay, I, you're going to do this my way. We're going to meet at a Pittsburgh Pirates game. And then he hangs up on him. And then he, 
somehow I don't know why how he does it, but he has a black friend, and he somehow gets the black friend to get him tickets to the baseball game, and tape a gun under one of the seats so that when he's talking to the Russian, he can like, grab the gun. But the Russian gets it, and so I just trick him by running away. But also, uh, his Sigourney Weaver's his psychiatrist, but she's also an agent. So in the early scene, she's like, "Oh, so you had the dream again? What's that about?" So then you find out she's she's watching him, but there's no reason to because it's the phone and it's the dad's phone. So I don't know why. Anyway, so then after the baseball thing and he kills the Russian, Sigourney Weaver drives up at the baseball game and goes, "Hey, you can come live with me because your parents got blown up." And he's all, "Yeah." But I want to hang out with my girlfriend here first in the empty stadium for a bit. Um, so I was just involved in a gunfight there. He'll let me in. And she's all, okay, I'll wait here. And his dad calls and goes, hey, I'm staying nearby, but you can't meet face to face because I made obscure choices long ago. And he goes, this is good writing, bad writing. I'm your father, but I'll never be your dad. <laughs> uh... You didn't see it. Good, right? No, 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 I didn't see it. I'm thinking of something else. Uh, maybe it was a... You know, it must be a Kellen Lutz thing that I'm thinking of. Dude, I have new respect for Kellen Lutz after... I do too, after this uh, science fiction movie called Osiris. I really liked him in that. Or Son of Osiris. Or so, you know, I saw a dopey science fiction movie where halfway through Kellen Lutz shows up as the roguish, like, anti-hero. Like, the Han Solo character. And I was like, wow, this guy's really good. And then the movie was over and I realized I'd been watching Kellen Lutz. Uh-huh. So, really? I so he Taylor kitched you? Not that I didn't like him that much. <laughs> Does he come out of water in it? I don't think there's any swimming. There is space, uh, and they fight aliens. Um, That's and... more than happens in abduction. I'll say that. Like abduction, mm-hmm. yeah. They don't go into space in abduction. They don't do anything. Huh. Just runs around and then <laughs> it ends like the cops shoot. And uh, Doctor Octopus is like, you don't know if he's bad or good. Just gibberish. Does Taylor Lautner run well, like Tom Cruise? No, he doesn't do anything well. Oh, he doesn't even run well. Okay. He doesn't kiss well. He's does not he have? The would, girl is correctly. there anything for Dingus there? Like, does he have a really nice body, like Sp- Spencer Clark? Yeah, Treat? and he takes his shirt off a lot, so Dingus uh, is like that. And he kind of looks like Dingus. They have the same hair. Jeez, <laughs> oh, really? Dingus is always excitable, and Taylor Lautner never gets. He never like gets excited. So Taylor Lautner is like the negative Dingus. The yeah, he's like the antimatter dingus from right. the Star Trek universe where they all use swords. Exactly what I was thinking. And um, <laughs> his parents get blown up, and he's supposed to be crying. And you can tell that they had to use, like, tons of <laughs> fucking CG to even get a tear out of his face. I love CG just tears. Like, ah, yeah. ah. <laughs> you just can't do it. It's like the hard. You can tell it's the hardest thing he has to do in the movie. It's like, right. you have to show emotion? So I'm jealous because I have a voice that's a little too, um, I don't know, like it's too, it always sounds like it's in a mood, but he's never in any mood. So I'd rather sound like that. Hmm. So I'm a little jealous too loud. And he does have a nice body. Well, good. Um, so yeah, I'd w- I'll watch it again tonight and let you know how it is. Okay. Abduction. Right, mm-hmm. Abduction. Sweet. So Cold War abduction. I was, I... Fine. You know what? I I also saw a two and a half hour foreign movie, but mine was in color, dingus. So there. 
Uh, it came out last year, and I meant to see it. Didn't get around to it. It's finally available online now. And rather than tell you like about the movie specifically, I just want to tell you five things about it that I think might make you want to see it. Uh, like I did. Like you did, exactly. Dingus just talked about how much he loved it. Kelly Wan just told us isolated things about abduction. Uh, I'm more inclined to watch abduction than Dingus's four-hour uh, black-and-white uh, Polish movie. Yeah. So I'll tell you things that might make you, you say watch that. this two-and-a-half-hour <laughs> Korean movie. Uh, it came out last year. It's called Burning. Uh, and oh. uh, our, our mutual friend, Kelly Wong, Gretchen Grasshoff, she emailed me one day, and she's like, have you seen Burning? And I said, no, but I want to. Uh, and all I knew about it was that Stephen Ewan is in it. Uh, Dingus, do you know who that is? You probably don't. I don't, know. So, so he's uh, – Kelly Wong, do you know him by name? <clears throat> Yeah, Glenn. Yeah, Glenn in Walking Dead. I Dingus, think I just you, saw him in some. But I if you'd watched it. Walking Dead, uh, sorry to bother you. He's in Sorry to Bother You. Right. Yeah. Uh, Dingus, if you'd watched Walking Dead, you would know who uh, Glenn was. So all I knew was that it was a Korean movie and that this kid, Stephen Ewan, was in it, uh, who I, who I kind of like. And I didn't know anything else about it. Um, so going in and watching it, uh, here are the five things I want you to know. Uh, it's based on a short story by Haruki Murakami. Uh, who's a very well-known Japanese novelist. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it, it's a Korean movie, however, based on a Japanese author's short story. And I think the director relocates it to Korea. I can't imagine that Murakami wrote it about Korea. But the director relocates it to Korea. And like a lot of Korean movies, it it, it – uh, is it very much is infused with this sort of Korean national consciousness about various things. And specifically, imagine that you live in a country where it's it's been cut in half, and even though nobody is really alive these days who was there when it happened, you're just keenly aware that somewhere behind a wall, if you drive far enough north, there's a wall, and half of your country is locked behind that wall suffering, and, you have, and you're helpless to do anything about it. Uh, and that's part of what, what Burning is about, and that's part of what the director, uh, whose name is Chang Dong Lee, uh, brings to it by changing it to a, a Korean setting. Uh, and it plays very much also like a Murakami story. Uh, it's really mysterious and unsettling, and, and there's just lots of memorable detail that the filmmaker knows how to highlight without hitting it too hard. Uh, so little touches that you remember. And it reminds me a lot of a Murakami a novel called The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle, uh, down to very specific details to where even if you've read Wind-Up Bird Chronicle, there are presumably spoilers about burning in, in that novel. They're, they're that similar. So that's the first thing, is that it turned out to be a Murakami short story, and I wasn't the least bit surprised, even though it felt very Korean. The second thing I want to tell you about... Abduction's uh, based on Tolstoy. Stuff. Oh, sure, sure, right. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, when you see an actor, and I mentioned this before, when you see someone reading a book in a movie, the director obviously chose the book for a reason, and sometimes it's just because the director doesn't really understand the book but thinks that it makes a cool statement about the character. Nine <laughs> out of ten times when Troy, you – Try Legacy? Well, I was going to say nine out of ten times when you see someone reading Sylvia Plath's Bell Jar, the director has no idea what it's about yeah, and just thinks it's think like – he some, read it. Right, yeah. It's just some precocious like young woman's novel thing. Uh, so in this in this movie, there's a point where a character comes upon another character reading a Faulkner novel, and I love William Faulkner, and it could not have been more appropriate. Uh, and surprisingly, Murakami's short story 
is based on a William Faulkner short story. So it traces all the way back to Faulkner, and it has some of that same Southern Gothic uh, quality to it, uh, but in Korea. So those are two things. The third thing I want to tell you about. Wait a minute. Uh, hold on. Hold mm -hmm. on. Hold on. Yep. Are yep. you allowed to do that? Do what? Base a short story on somebody else's short story? Uh, I think – I wonder if it – so the Faulkner short story is called Barn Burning, and the Murakami yeah. short story is also called Barn Burning. So not only can you do that, I think you can appropriate the title as long as it's in Korean. If you're uh, one of those guys, Or Japanese. It's really Japanese. Good. <laughs> I think that doesn't seem to be – okay, go ahead. Sorry, that, that just seems weird to me. It's like, okay. Monkey's now, paw, bro. Now I'm going to write uh, As I Lay Dying. I mean, I mean why – Is that the novel? You, That's the only one I've read. That? Well, you know, there's a there's a Japanese version of the movie Sideways uh, that is basically the the entire movie just kind of transliterated with a different cast uh, into Japanese, uh, and I think there I, I haven't actually seen it and have no desire to, but I think there's something to be said for someone talented like Murakami retelling a Faulkner story in his own country. Uh, oh, okay, all right. And so if, and if I were to appropriate something from another country, I could just do a the same the same medium in the same medium execution but, would be correct. but do it for Tahunga. yeah i mean you could do, i mean there's yeah. no i don't think that there's any like i i think that homages, i think that homages to other works are are different than just like ripping them off uh, generally, okay. when it, like, because Murakami gave it the same title as the Faulkner short story, he wasn't trying to hide anything. He was right. clearly doing this is my take on uh, on a William Faulkner, a specific William Faulkner story. Or um, he but, does it. Yeah, well, a lot of I think a, a lot of writers do. Uh, you can you can certainly see the connections, and and I think writers don't tend to be that shy about it. I, I think a lot of times there's a lot of precedent because. Um, the Handmaiden was based on a British novel. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, okay. All right. So the, the short story I think Dingus was asked about because maybe a short story is like so compact, like to change something that short. Well, it does make so me it's wonder. Like changing the label. Like I don't, I don't know how much of uh, I don't know Barn Burning. I actually don't know a lot of Faulkner short stories, but I don't know if it's a Yakna Patafa County thing, where it's very much his his universe, and this is just one little tiny slice of it. Uh, so, I'd have to read both stories and judge the contact. Right. Or you could watch Burning and get a sense for – because the way Burning unfolds, it feels very William Faulkner. Like I, I – so when, when somebody's reading Faulkner and uh, Chang Dong Lee has clearly invoked Faulkner and he wants to show that to you, and it's in a very natural context. It's not awkward. Uh, it, it makes perfect sense. What about um, when in, under the Silver Lake – People walk away from a gravestone, and it's Hitchcock's gravestone. I'll have to see it, well, and then I'll let you know. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so, uh, I'm, uh, but like, uh, it's not overtly said as uh, this is your interpretation. You saying it's based on a short story by William Faulkner, or is is it actually marketed as such? No, no, because that's it's not like I can say like uh, I'm going to write Cat Cemetery based on. A novel by Stephen King. Cat Cemetery, Cat Cemetery. I like it. I mean, you spelling same. I think you could if you were bringing something specific to it. Like I don't because Monkey's Paw Murakami. is Pet Cemetery, so he did that with Pet Cemetery. 
Murakami's not a hack. Like he's not. I don't think he's hurting for material. Uh, right. And I, I think he's just clearly was inspired by Faulkner's short story, and he wanted to do his version of it. And okay. the movie, the, when the movie opens, it says it's based on a, a Haruki Murakami short Murakami short story, and it says uh, barn burning. Um, so uh, it credits him and not Faulkner. Uh, okay. All right. I was just so. making sure. I. I mean, it just seemed like an odd. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to derail us. I apologize. You were going to go with number three. Thing now. is, I did recently watch a movie called Beyond the White Veil, which was Moby Dick set in space. They, they, hmm. much, they, they uh, always do space that. Whales. It's always yeah. in space. Uh, the, the, the spaceship is called the Essex, which I don't think it's – that's uh, – Art of Darkness never gets done – well, way. Wrath of Khan certainly does that, but it's just borrowing well, thematic there's no, elements. There's for no, a, sorry, go ahead. It's borrowing thematic elements for a different medium. I mean, it's just like I, I can't write a short story based on your short story and say this is my version of your short story if I don't have a reason to do it. And I understand the distinction you're making saying, well, if, you have, if you're not a hack and you have a take on it, then go for it. Shatner was a white whale. Uh, all right, so the other thing I want to tell you about it, remember in uh, in uh, Animal Kingdom, James Freshvale was a, a very odd protagonist. He was very passive, uh, uh, and it's, he looks kind of vacant, and he didn't seem very bright. Uh, the lead character in Burning, <laughs> uh, he looks really confused and out of his element, and he's not very articulate, and he's, he's isolated, and he, he's a bit of a dupe, and he has that James Freshvale vacant look on his face. He is not your typical protagonist. Uh, and he's wonderful. He's a very accomplished uh, young Korean actor I'd never heard of before. So that's the third thing. The fourth thing I want to tell you, the lead uh, actress, also pretty remarkable, had never done anything else in her life. You go to her uh, her IMDb page, it, Burning is the only thing there. She came from, uh, they held auditions, and uh, Cheng Dong Lee found her, and she was perfect, and it's remarkable watching her, and then later realizing, good lord, this is her first movie, she's never done anything else, because there's some really brave stuff that she does. And then the fifth thing I want to tell you, uh, early on in the movie, there's a point where someone is demonstrating demonstrating a pantomime, and it's kind of random, it's just happening, uh, and like the Faulkner I think it's super important, and, and this is my interpretation, because it's the director doesn't – burning is, if anything, sort of slow and elliptical to a fault. Uh, none of the stuff really hits you over the head, but it's super rich with like meaning and, and ambiguity and options for interpretation. But early on, someone is describing pantomime by uh, pretending to eat a tangerine. And someone says to her, wow, you're, you're really good at that. Uh, and she says, no, well, here's the trick to, to pantomime. The trick is that instead of thinking there's a tangerine here, you need to forget that there isn't one. <laughs> and that sounds just like and that sounds just like a like a little wordplay thing that when you think about it maybe it doesn't hold up but I think and again I don't think the director hits this hard but I think that's the point of the movie. If you watch Burning and afterwards you're like Wait, what? Because Burning is one of those movies that does something that you don't really expect and you're not quite sure. Like after it was over, I was like, oh, really? What? Ah. But it was the sort of thing that I was kept thinking about it, uh, and it just kept rolling around in my head. And I kept coming back to that one little line about pantomime, which I think that's my guess, is that that line there is what the movie is kind of telling you in a weird way. Uh, 
So, uh, burning. And also, Stephen Ewan, who uh, he is so much fun in it. I've seen him. He's got that small part in Sorry to Bother You. He's in a really low-rent version of Belko Experiment, which is a movie I really like about an office building where everybody fights each other. Uh, he's in a low-rent version of that called Mayhem, where he's supposed to be the lead. And uh, like, like he, Stephen Ewan just playing a nice guy. He's fine at that, and that's what he did. It's boring. On, it, old, it is kind of boring. Kelly was actor like uh, is twenty he a kid. 25, 30, maybe. Oh, yeah. all right. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. I just needed uh, a message. Glenn was like, boring. That's exactly right, Kelly Wanda. Like, Stephen Ewan is a really nice guy. I've heard him on podcasts, but the characters he played are just kind of pleasant and boring. He is having the time of his life in Burning, and Can it's I not – Can I him in something? Uh, just, well, he, he, I don't think you'd have remembered it, but he's the uh, – he kind of hits on Lakeith Stanfield's girlfriend, Tessa Thompson, in Sorry to Bother You. He's his Asian mm. friend. Yeah. Um, Successfully. I, yeah, I think that's the only thing you'd know him from, uh, but he's not—he's not boring in this. So, all right, I really right. love—I love your third and fourth points mainly because on your fourth point, I, I don't remember the name of the actor you were talking about. Um, James Fraserfield? Or, or no, no, the 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 one who's the 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 this is the first thing that she's done. Oh yeah, her, her name—I didn't say her name because I don't know. I will attempt it. Her name is Jong Seo Jun. All right, I, you said it perfectly. Um, it, that, that reminds me of the, of one of the things that I loved about Roma is there's this actress who has been nominated this year named Yelitsa ah. Apritio, who is who was going into an, some other career doing whatever, and uh, Alfonso Cuarón found her and said, "No, no, I, I need you to be in this movie," and she's just a revelation. Uh, it's just like, whoa, wait. How do how did you capture this? Yeah, it's pretty but exciting when you see that. It's yeah. really exciting. And then the 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 reason I like the number the the third thing about uh, the Fresheville thing is because uh, whenever whenever I'm in a in a in a public restroom and I try to get the thing to see my hands, uh, I just go. These <laughs> things never see me because <laughs> that yeah. perfectly that perfectly encapsulates his character. The, these things never see me. I can't get this thing to turn on when I want it to. Right, right. Yeah. And 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 the final thing I'll say about Burning is the reason I'm saying this and bringing it up uh, is it's a movie for both of you. Uh, both of you need to see it. So, oh, good. Uh, oh, good. That's that's the final thing I'll say. I'll watch Thank it you. tonight. Thank you, and thank you to uh, to Gretchen Grasshoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think our friend yeah, – I'd heard about it before, but it was Grasshoff that made me think, okay, I better see it. Oh, maybe uh, Bruce did. Yeah. yeah. All right. Kelly Wan, let's now get to the main event. What is this month? This month's 3x3 three three again? Uh, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> 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 Just talking about abduction wore me out. Um... <laughs> yeah, but what about his body? Yeah, he's no Spencer point. Treat Clark, I'm sure. Jeez, I can't get any traction. It's always gonna come back to me. <laughs> well, okay. Um, yeah, soup, man. Woo, party, soup. So these are our three favorite scenes with soup, or our three favorite soups. You know what? It, I think either of those <laughs> at this point are fine. I tried to go with ones that I. Uh, well, you'll get to me. But, so like, we, once people won't remember. We could choose super <laughs> supervisors if we wanted to. You know, hey, if you want to be that guy, <laughs> it'll be on the internet for everyone to see. But I'm suspecting no one's really listening anyway, so go ahead. Say whatever. Like, come, in, come on, no one's going to listen to a podcast about 
soup and movies. Well, I want to. I want to hear Dingus. Dingus is a foodie. I want to hear what Dingus's picks are. Dingus, what's your third? Your th- number three pick. All right, my number three pick is a very Sundancey movie that I don't think Tom likes very much. I haven't um, seen it. If you're gonna say Chef, uh, it is not Chef. Okay. No. Uh, but the the quote I would do from it is a little bit of dialogue where uh, one one uh, character says to the other, "Do you remember the moment when you realized soup didn't have to come out of a can, and that the chicken soup you make could have kicked Campbell Soup's ass?" And then the other character says, "I think I'm having that moment right now." Um, this sounds familiar. Have I seen it? Uh, I, yeah, I think you have. It's uh, from a movie called Paper Man. Uh, oh. that has... Why do you think you, I don't like that? The Ryan Reynolds thing. Yeah, the Ryan Reynolds thing. Yeah, I like that a lot. Oh, you do? Okay, yeah, I thought yeah. you would think it was too precious. Um, I, I really, really like it, and it's grown on me. I've seen it, I don't know, maybe four or five times, unfortunately. Tom likes some twee. Um, <laughs> but uh, Emma Stone and Jeff Daniels are in it, and... Uh, um, it's got to be just so. So he's this he's this it's this writer who's out like trying to figure out how to start his next novel and he can't quite figure out how to do it. And uh, his his wife, who's this heart surgeon or uh, a vascular surgeon, drops him off and says, all right, get to work. Here's your typewriter. You're at this cabin. You're going to work out here. And so he gets involved with a couple of the locals and he meets this girl and he says, I need you to come babysit for me. Uh, Wednesday night, um, just because he's he need he needs some company. He needs something to distract him. He needs something. He doesn't know what. Uh, so she comes out to the house to babysit for him, um, and he says, uh, "Yeah, well, the thing is, there's no kid, uh, so you're just gonna be here at the house." And and she, uh, instead of like just saying, "Okay, I'll just hang out here while you hang out here, and we're gonna have a weird meet cute." She says, okay, well, when will you be back? <laughs> and he goes, uh, 9.30? And then he goes and he sits out on the pier and, <laughs> talks, and talks to Ryan Reynolds for a while. And she just decides to go through his fridge and find the stuff that's going bad, um, kind of, and make soup out of it. Uh, and it's this really loving, giving thing that you do when you cook for somebody. Uh, making soup, and this is why, I, I, Kelly, I really love this topic. You should know this. I had a ton of things that I went through for this topic. It's it's a uh, it's, it's 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 fecund. Is that the uh, right way to use yeah. that word? It, it, there's so much here. So that, the foodie element was a good. Well, well, I I didn't want to just do like food movies, but I I couldn't quite avoid that. Um, but making food for people is 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 yeah. caring. It's it, it is uh it is it is something that that is a gift. Um, and and soup in particular, there's just something about it. And I love that line that she says. When was the moment that you first realized that? You know, soup didn't have to come out of a can. Now, I I get cans of soup all the time because it's quite frankly easier to spend three minutes on the stove doing that and have a quick snack before I go to bed. Or three minutes, Dingus, it's it's a minute and a half in the microwave. Microwave, no, it has to be on the stove. <laughs> top. 
I won't go. I won't go as far as the microwave. Uh, but making a bowl, uh, a huge bowl of chicken soup for somebody, taking all of the chicken off the bones and being very careful with it, and then you know skimming all the fat off the top and and just doing all of those things. It takes time to do that. It takes it takes care, and there's a certain there's a certain element of that in this movie where Emma Stone is doing this for him just because she's like, well, you could throw all of this stuff away or you could make soup with it. Now, it's kind of a simplistic way of of making soup. Uh, soup takes a little bit more time and care to make, but um, but his, but just the fact of how touched he is, and this is part of the creative process for him because he's understanding that she has created something for him from things that would otherwise be thrown away, and he can't figure out how to write this book. And... It's it, the the two things are parallel. Uh, it ends up being sort of like a little bit weird later on, but for him in his in his mind, she has created something out of out of what he deems as nothing. You created this out of nothing, and she says, "No, there was this here. Uh, I took one of your beers. I hope that was okay. I put that in there as well." Ew. Um, uh, yeah, well, you know, you can boil that down and it will lend a certain amount of flavor to it. Um, but she said, no, it's not out of nothing. There's There were things here that you thought were trash that I took care of and made right. this thing. I, I, I created something for you. Beer and brown. It, and yeah. for him, there's, there's a little spark there that finally happens for him because he's kind of been a dead character up until this moment. And then there's this little spark that happens where he's like, she created something. I, and I think that you that's where you start to see him get the idea that he can create something. It doesn't quite – it doesn't immediately – he doesn't like run over to the typewriter and begin click-clacking on the keys. Um, that happened later. Uh, but there's that feeling of, oh, oh creation um and I, I i just love that moment and i really love the both i love the both of them in this so paper man all right paper man i'll watch it but after burning by maybe six years yeah you watch burning first <laughs> uh my number three favorite soup here's a line from it <clears throat> this is good is it vegetables borscht i taste dill borscht because <laughs> it's something we saw recently do you guys remember yeah. that do you know? okay oh yeah yeah sisters brothers yeah so uh it's, yeah. it's john c Riley is just in a camp where people are just sort of eating the obligatory food that's fed to him and it just is an indication of his character and who mm. he's a much more curious person uh than than his brother uh, and in, in that regard, how he's got more in common with Jake Gyllenhaal in a way. Uh, but I just love that little exchange with the, the Russian woman who's making the soup where he's trying to, like, query her about what's in this. It's really good. So. I I love that as well. That was that was on my shortlist as well, precisely because of what you're saying, because of his curiosity. Yeah. It's of a piece with him getting the toothbrush and everything. Yeah. Fucking dialogue in that movie. And I also, know. I remember the the first time I made borscht, I I'm not a big fan of dill for whatever reason. I like yeah, pickles. I'm not either. Uh, I don't like I pickles don't, or dill. But I didn't yeah. I didn't necessarily put it in, and and my Russian girlfriend's like, dill is really important to us. What are you doing? So. What do you mean? If you don't like dill, we're gonna have issues with next week's uh, podcast. I'm just saying. Uh, all right. You'll see. Kelly Wand, what's your third favorite soup? 
I had a nightmare where I ate part of a pickle, and in the in the dream, I'm like, ugh! I was, like, repulsed. Cool story, Wand. Okay, my number three favorite soup in a movie. Um, I'm with you, Kelly Wand. I don't like pickles. Pickles are weird. Pickles are just I people hate desperately trying to make cucumbers interesting. Yeah. <laughs> They're trying to make them more street. Yep. Nice try. But cucumbers are all water. I don't like lettuce. I think lettuce is bullshit. There's no flavor to it. Well, it depends on the lettuce. I don't like it. <laughs> well, quit, quit eating iceberg it. lettuce and try something else. I read online somewhere, too, so I know it's true, that uh, when you get a burger, I don't eat meat anyway, but uh, the lettuce is like the most bacteria-infested. Yeah, come out there and have some romaine. See, romaine sounds good. These are cool-sounding things. Lettuce. Give me a tomato. Give me an onion. Number three, favorite soup in a movie, in Down Periscope. Um... (laughs) When the XO, Rob Schneider, he finds a Band-Aid in his suit, and he complains to the cook, and he's all, yesterday I found a fingernail. And the cook goes, sorry, sir, the Band-Aid was holding the fingernail on. (laughs) (laughs) That's my number three. Thank you. Dingus, what is your second favorite soup scene in a movie? All right, this one is not a cooking-related thing, necessarily. Um... Although it is about a weird sort of care. Uh, Here's the quote from it. Here's one big bastard of a check. Uh, This is from the movie Misery. And uh, this is when Annie Wilkes is objecting to Paul Sheldon's new novel because of the language that he uses in it. And she's come to feed him. Right. um, And she's got a bowl of soup, which looks like tomato soup to me, I think. Or blood. Blood. (laughs) <laughs> or blood soup. Huh? That would be borscht. Uh, she's got, tom- I, I believe it's tomato soup. And she's getting so animated and so uh, so derailed by this, this, not derailed, just so distracted by how angry she is about the language that he uses in this new novel that he's written. That he's, that, duty. That he, yeah, that he's asked her to read. That's not one of the misery novels. It's, it's his his special novel that that he's Street kept house. inside him that he hasn't that he hasn't written and Stephen King fam- famously calls this a love letter to his fans um uh so he's written this novel about these 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 kids who come from the slums and they they talk in coarse language and Annie Wilkes is really angry that um this is not a novel about misery and he's and she's really angry about the language in it um, and she starts yelling at him about it. Do you think that I'm going to go up to the bank and say, here's my, here's one big bastard of a check. And as she's doing this, she's holding this bowl of soup and she's gesturing with it, but not paying attention. <laughs> and so the soup is spilling onto his blanket. This hot soup is spilling onto the blanket where he's lying in bed as an invalid. And this is the first time you really see Paul Sheldon rec- recognize, oh my gosh, this is darkness, and this is danger for me in a way that I didn't realize. That there is there is something here that is other that could harm me badly. I'm in a movie called Misery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shit. Um, and uh, I just I just love the way that that Rob Reiner films that soup just sort of plopping off 
the uh, the side of the bowl onto the blanket and Paul like looking down at it and looking up at her and just being nervous that you, you get this feeling that he's he thinks that at any moment she could just dump the soup on his face if she wants uh, and and that's I, I there's there's a specific way that soup works it's different than than other uh, you know co- you could do that with coffee I guess supposedly but this this has sort of of more viscous uh, uh, tendency so that it, it just glops and it, it 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 would stick and burn you uh and i really like that sense of it like landing on that blanket and sticking there and the way that 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 is filmed visually i i'm real big yeah. fan of the movie misery so. did you read the book oh yeah 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 i was i was pretty dubious about rob reiner directing it to be honest with you yeah, um he did a good job but i I thought he did a good job too. I was quite impressed by it, and um, I certainly didn't see James Caan in that role. Uh, no, he's but, great too. But he does a fine job. Yeah, he does a fine job. And uh, we met Kathy Bates through that. Like it gave us. It was her Total Recall. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's amazing. Uh, yeah. And the and the way she switches on and off. I mean, I've I've seen people do that. I've seen people go from that total like darkness to la 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 Uh, you you can see it you see it happen and the way she does that the way she captures that is phenomenal in this movie when the truck hit stephen king and rl she sent him a little uh get well card that said got novel that's the name of the uh yeah yeah campaign killer it's a made-up one isn't it uh, i I don't know but he he talks about uh you know in his in his book on writing he talks about spending uh, the better part of a year, if not more than yeah, that. Yeah, he hated it. Just being uh, in a haze of, of alcohol and drugs. Misery, yeah. Uh, and, and Tabitha brought the typewriter out. She's like, get yeah. in there. Yep. Always saving him. Mm. Uh, I also liked in Misery in the book where uh, it's like she, she says the word anesthetic for the foot. And he's like, and, he, and she, he's already drugs. like, wait, what'd she say? Anesthetic? He keeps obsessing on that word. Like, why'd she say that? What's that anesthetic? Why is she saying? It? Also, okay. the the relationship Misery. between um, uh, is it Robert or Richard Farnsworth? Robert Farnsworth. Richard Farnsworth. And uh, and Francis Sternhagen is just so precious. Yeah. I, in a in in a good way. I mean, the way that they flirt. There's that sass this, again. Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that, and so it's it's heartbreaking where the movie goes, but I I love that. Um, so anyway, misery. Sorry, I prattled on. Here, look at me prattling on, Tom. Misery, Tom. I'm more of a maximum overkill guy. <laughs> it's overdrive. overdrive, fuck. <laughs> oh, ha ha ha! I tricked you guys into knowing what it's called. <laughs> All right, kill here. <laughs> That's, that's, that's a stupid title. <laughs> uh, okay, here's the line from my number two pick. I might be in trouble with this. Here we go. <clears throat> we have soup? Why can't I have soup? Except here's how it would actually go. We have soup? Why can't I have soup? And it's Sorry. not even soup. It's coffee. So at the beginning of Withnail and I, as I, they're, uh, they're spiraling I out of control... Nail. 
they're spiraling out of control in their their London apartment in, in 1969, and uh, they're about to have to like flee London out into the countryside. But as things are going crazy in their apartment, uh, uh, Withnell's reading <laughs> a story about Jeff Woad, a, go, a guy who uses steroids, a weightlifter, and he's reading out of some lurid tabloid like National Enquirer or something, and he's following Paul McGann around the apartment, reading him this story. And Paul McGann <laughs> is just frantic and doesn't want to hear about Jeff Woad. Uh, and at a certain point, Withnail's explaining what Jeff Wode would say to you before he beat you up. And he's like he's like role-playing it to, to uh, Paul McGann. And then he looks down and he sees Paul McGann spooning broth out of a bowl into his mouth. And he says, we have soup? Why can't I have soup? But, but if you watch the movie, because I didn't realize this, it's clear as Withnail's following him around what Paul McGann is doing. And if you watch it, it makes sense. But if you're not paying attention to Paul McGann, which tends to happen because Richard E. Grant is just so – like he hogs the screen. Your eye is drawn to him in that movie. Uh, Paul McGann says uh, it's coffee because it they just – their apartment is such a mess that he couldn't, he couldn't get – he couldn't find a mug. So he's poured hot water into a bowl, shook instant coffee into it, and stirred it up, and he's eating it with a soup, with a soup spoon. Uh, and that's uh, and so that that's the exchange. We have soup. Why can't I have soup? It's coffee. Well, I'm gonna allow because I think coffee is soup. I agree. It's, it's kind of yeah. And tea is soup with a bag in it. So. Kind of, coffee is like it's like broth. It's bean broth. Coffee bean broth. Yeah. yeah. So good. You can put it in a mug. You can put it in a bowl. But we know yeah. what's happening. Kelly, one. I suspect we all have the same number one pick. But what's tea your number is two soup choice? With a, with a bag in it. Uh, Tom, have you seen? Before we go to Kelly, have you seen? Can you ever forgive me? No, I have not, but I love Richard E. Grant, so I plan to. All right. He's the Vince Vaughn of England. In with Nailna, he's like character and maid. Vince Vaughn. All right. All right. Anyway, you know I'm done. I'm done talking. No, fuck it. Okay, number two. <laughs> in Batman, it's Michael Keaton. He has Kim Basinger over to dinner at the Bat Mansion, and they're in the formal dining room. And they're in chairs at the opposite ends of the long table. And he's all, how's the soup? She's all, excuse me? He goes, the soup, how is it? She's all, great. She's all, could you pass the salt? He's all, sure. He goes, did you have a hard time finding the house? Oh, no, not at all. Good. Do you like eating in here? Oh, yeah. You want to know the truth? I don't think I've ever been in this room before. You want to get out of here? Yeah. <laughs> and then they take their soup bowls and they hang out with Alfred. What kind of soup is it, Kelly Wand? I think it's uh, boyon or onion. Did you say boyon? Yeah. Bullion? Bullion. Bullion. Yeah, like it's gold it's bullion. All right. Bullion. See? Why this is that the same name as the as the bricks of gold that you get in high school? Yeah, movies? one's hard and one's soft, but yeah. they're both cubes. Oh, I guess it's like the cube-shaped element. Okay. Huh. All right. Why are they cubes with, with the non-gold? I get why gold's cubicle. I don't get why the soup is. You're putting it in a round bowl. Yeah, it's a mystery. Uh, do we all have the same number one, Dingus? <sighs> Magic no. rocks or soup? Okay, what? Yeah, gross. You don't eat those. I... Don't eat. Don't put those in your mouth, Kelly. One. <laughs> gross. What? You say don't... that about everything. <laughs> I have magic rocks as one of my runners up, but no, uh, uh, my, uh, our number ones are not going to be the same. Uh, I thought for a while they would be, um, but they're not going to be, uh, my number one. And are we up to me now? We are up to me. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Take it away. All Chris. right. What's the so, best soup in all of movie All right. So, uh, 
uh, I am about to use some profanity, so be aware, oh God. listeners. Uh, God damn it, I should kill you. This is so fucking good. I should kill you. Sounds like something with Peter Stormari. So I'm guessing John Wick 2. I'm it guessing Traveling Pants. It is a movie called Big Night, um, uh, directed by Campbell Scott and Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci has a director's credit in that? Yeah. Oh, good. Campbell point. Scott's not just a soup. Yeah, I know. How about that? Gotcha. Uh, so, um... He's dumb on is, House of Cards. This is a super six. simple scene with no dialogue in it. Um, so the, the setup is that these two brothers, Primo and Segundo, uh, have come from Italy to America, and they've started a restaurant, and... Uh, Primo is the the amazing chef, but he he will cook precisely what he thinks should be cooked, and not just make spaghetti and meatballs for the Americans. Um, but he's a, a phenomenal cook. The guy who says the line that I said previously is Ian Holm, who owns the really popular restaurant across the street, who just gives them. Whatever they want. If they like steak, give them steak. I like steak. Give them steak. Uh, and he's a really good businessman. Primo's an artist. He's a he. He cares. He he's he's giving of his soul when he makes food. Uh, and so uh, to save their business, um, they pour all of their final money into this one dinner. For uh, Louis Prima, who happens to be in town playing a gig, and Louis Prima and his band are going to be uh, coming to the restaurant later that night. And the newspaper, the newspapers are going to cover this, and this will this will make a huge splash for the restaurant. Everybody will re- recognize what incredible food they have, and and this will this will save their restaurant. This will save them from being foreclosed by the bank. Uh, of course, um, Lou Prima does not end up showing up. Um, and at some point, they've made all of this amazing food. And they just said they decide because they're going to have this huge party for Lou Prima. But they've invited their friends as well so that it's a party atmosphere. They just say, all right, well, let's eat. And the first course is la zuppa, the soup. And it just looks like a simple consomme, like a just a just a very clear broth. Uh, but the way that scene goes, oh my lord! Uh, just watching them all sit down at the table, watching a few of them taste it, and there's this one woman I don't know who she is, but she's this this beautiful gap-toothed older woman. Who takes a bite of uh, a bite, a, a spoonful of soup, and the look on her face is is just one of such pure ecstasy that you know that she understands, and everybody at the table understands. This is what we're in for. This is the meal that we are in for. We are about to be taken somewhere. Uh, and then Stanley Tucci and um, oh gosh, what's his name? Tony Shalhoub. Uh, no, no, not so. No. It's not Tony Shalhoub. It's Ian it's, Holm. <laughs> Tony Shalhoub, man. It, it's the guy. Tucci. It's what? the guy who eventually becomes uh, a, a pop star. Mark Antony, I think, is his name. Is also in this movie. Uh, they come into the kitchen, and Tony Shalhoub, who's 
waiting there behind the line looks at them and goes, "Well," and they and they give him a nod like, "It's perfect." And he and he does this thing, and Markinson made me this great gif of it, where he just sort of like cracks his neck off to the side like a like somebody who's just scored the first goal of a hat trick. Uh, he he just looks like, "Yeah, I got it." I've got this. And it's just this beautiful moment of I succeeded in making this beautiful thing. And not only that, but I've given part of myself to these people uh, and and to come here to to make this huge risk in America with my brother. Uh, I just I I'm so in love with this movie and with the way that it understands how how that works, how that that first taste, that very first taste works. And that's what soup, the soup course, the zuppa, normally is. So, Dingus, when I say we all have the same number one, how do you know I didn't pick Big Night? Because I don't know that you've ever seen it. I've seen Big Night. With the, I'm on. just playing with you. Oh, how dare you. How oh. dare you. Because <laughs> I think I know what you picked, but I'm not going to say. All right, well, here's a line from mine. and Maybe I'll at least scoop Kelly Wand on it. Uh, that tea smells gruesome. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, Watching that again was so great. Oh. Do you know it, do you know what Kelly Wand? Was it your? I pick? know what it is. No, it's not mine, but it's a good one. What? I mean, uh, how could it not be yours? Yes. Yeah, Scott. Uh, it's I actually, hot. someone, bunch of runners up. Yeah, someone actually emailed me and said, "I bet Kelly Wand picked this topic because of Bone Tomahawk, uh, the soup scene in that." Uh, no, there's a lot of there's more soup in movies than I realized. I, I love that he says now that I know it's not tea. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's the bit too where he says it tastes like corn, and Kurt Russell says well, it's corn chowder, and he says oh things are lining up. Things are lining up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's so cute in that. So what what the the point of the soup here is in Bone Tomahawk is normally we would meet uh, Richard Jenkins is, is kind of the old coot character, Kurt Russell's the sheriff, and normally the old you know Richard Jenkins comes in to let. Kurt Russell know, hey, there's something that looks amiss, there's a suspicious stranger, let's go talk to him. Uh, but Bone Tomahawk, Craig Zoller, is clever enough to know, and that script is just immaculate, there's so much great stuff in it, oh, to gosh. know that that we should introduce, we should get to know these characters first, just a little bit. And the soup, Chicory comes in with news, and he's, he's dying to tell Kurt Russell's character what the news is, but then he smells the soup and gets sidetracked. And he actually says... That tea is gruesome, and then Kurt Russell says, "That's that's soup." Um, so he he then asks for the soup, and they eat the soup, and there's there's a short exchange between the two of them, so you can get a sense for their relationship before the movie really uh, takes off. Uh, so yeah, it's uh it's the corn chowder, and also I love corn chowder; it's my favorite soup. So it's the and corn. He, yeah, he spits it good. on the floor. At the yeah, because <laughs> it's hot, right? <laughs> Yeah. Well, he starts spitting, cleans it up. He starts spitting it on the floor and then realizes, oh, it's the floor, and he tr- then tries to like walk his mouth over to the cup where he's dribbling <laughs> it back out. Yeah, he's just so cute in that. Uh, I love that so much. Yeah. I love corn chowder as well, and and you just reminded me that there's a moment where um, Jeff Daniels goes to the bar in Paper Man, and he's talking about soup with the bartender and one of the patrons, and one of the dudes at the end of the bar goes, M- my wife makes an amazing soup. She makes a chowder. But not the kind you're thinking, because they're in New England. Ah, because right. It's a corn chowder, uh, and they they both go, oh. Clam chowder's wretched. I don't understand. I mean, I'll, I don't get I that. like clam I, chowder. Yeah. Kelly, one, there's little bits of clam in it. Well, that's the only meat I eat, so it's exciting. Right. But uh, I like potatoy, milky. I like the Boston, not the fucking pork bullshit. 
Well, Kelly Wand, if Bone Tomahawk wasn't your number one soup pick, what is? I notice Richard Jenkins agrees that tea and soup are close enough until he starts thinking about it. <laughs> That's the problem. And he can't get out of his head. My number one is uh, in the perfect film, National Lampoon's Animal House. Um, Boone and Otter, Peter Rieger and uh, Amadeus, they're hitting golf balls at Niederbeier, the douchebag character. And one lands in the soup terrine in the cafeteria. And then later in the movie, <laughs> Flounder, no, not Flounder, John Belushi is in line at the cafeteria. And that don't know much about history song is playing. And he's like gobbling everything he sees and then stacking his tray too, everything. And he comes across the bowl of soup and the golf ball's in it. And he like slurps up the soup and then he eats the golf ball. What? That's unrealistic. No one can eat a golf ball. He eats it like it's an egg. Is his name Bluto in that, or did I make that yeah, up? Bluto, Pl- yeah, Bluto, uh, something Blutarski. Yeah, yeah, no. Bluto- 0.00. I thought for sure one of you was going to choose a movie that had clam chowder in it. Yeah. Clean it's like food. Flounder and Bluto are both fat. But clean food. Clam- yeah, clean food. <laughs> Wait, White Club? Yeah. Soup. Yeah, but I don't want that soup. He peed in it. Yeah. Why do you? Why that wouldn't be my favorite soup? That'd be the worst soup. <laughs> I don't want soup with Brad Pitt's pee in it, or Edward Norton's, which is what it really is. If I had to have one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, what would the listeners pick for their favorite soups? Uh, huh. Surprisingly, uh, sturdy turnout. <laughs> um. Some glass emails are here. Mike McBain writes, It's harder than I thought to think of soup scenes that aren't just gross-out scenes one way or another, so I'm happy I at least managed one. I contemplated adding Temple of Doom eyeball soup as number three. Yeah, I was circling around it. But I said against it's probably the least disgusting, memorable thing on that menu. Number three in Fight Club. <laughs> See what happens? Sorry. Uh, Norton dresses the camera at one point talking about his new acquaintance, Tyler Durden. Discuss a couple night jobs. As Nord's busy describing Tyler as the gorilla terrorist of the food service industry, treated to a shot of Tyler unzipping, then urinating at length into a large pot of soup due to be served to the unwitting patrons of the restaurant. I like to think I'd taste the difference. Soup's got a bit of a wang to it. <laughs> Special wonton soup for you, Tom, huh? That's from some movie where someone pees in soup, right? Is that even in Fight Club? No, that doesn't sound like something from Fight Club. Or, oh, no, someone pees in Punch. And someone says, Punch's got a bit of a wang to it. Albert P. Red. No, well, the help, there's poo. No, Kelly Wand. I kn- <laughs> All right, what else does Mike McBain... Which can't taste. Uh, the introductory scene for Lee Van Cleef's character in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly... In this scene, Van Cleef, a bounty hunter, interrupts a family about to have dinner, and as the wife and child flee the scene, wordlessly walks over, sits down, and helps himself to the soup, sitting between him and his target. All the time, he rarely breaks eye contact with the man before him, and even as he chews a few mouthfuls of the chunky broth. It's called Stew, Mike McBain. Mike McBain has chosen Stew instead of Soup, Kelly Wand. Arrest him. Well, going with chunky broth, you're really trying to uh, wiggle around saying things. (laughs) Chunky broth. It's like a soft juggernaut. Yeah, you heard me. 
Focus all the batteries of a predator about to utterly eviscerate and devour its prey. Number one, at my top spot, <laughs> is a scene from Japanese extreme cinema classic Audition. I'm not sure a dog bowl of vomit counts as soup in the traditional sense, but it is served in that manner, and I guess this ultimately boils down to a question. Get it? Of liquidity. Anyway, it's a horrifying scene. Residing at the midpoint of the movie's descent into some truly dark places, and it's made all the more grotesque from the fact that it is apparently actress Aishina's actual vomit. No, Soup's up, Mike no. McVeigh. Yeah, what? One of those, think... No, it's one of those things that probably Takeshi Miike was glad to have people believe, but no, come on. That's not how you make a movie. It's not? Miike's made probably like a hundred movies. Uh, and I doubt he's that unprofessional as to do something like that. But I don't First doubt time. that he would want people to think that, like you. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't think it. Mike <laughs> like Mike McBain, then, okay. <laughs> and even Mike McBain suggests that it's supposedly, but I doubt that's the case. Let's. That's well, the thing. Here's another thing. Like I even. I even doubt, but I'm not sure. I doubt. How do you guys feel about Nicolas Cage eating a real cockroach in Vampire's Kiss? I think that's true, and I know Kevin yeah. Klein ate fish in Fish Called Wanda. That I can understand, because you eat fish, but... Yeah, that scene where he eats the cockroach, I think he maybe really did. Yeah, I read that he did. Or it well, of course that. you read that, but but I'm just... Yeah, I think most things that you... Yeah, I don't know. They didn't have CG back then. No, but you could cut around it and make a little wiggly rubber cockroach or something. It I, sounds like something he'd do, Nicolas Cage. It does, though, doesn't it? Yeah, all right. Even if... The, he didn't even know the camera was rolling. Kelly Wan is a, is a cockroach. <laughs> That's not craft services, Nick. <laughs> yeah. But Jennifer Beals has to kiss him, doesn't she? Uh, so you're going to let Mike McBain choose a dog bowl full of, of vomit? Well, it was once soup. <laughs> no, I, you don't know that, first of all. Vomit <laughs> soup for flies. <laughs> wow. Weird. That's right up there with uh, Chris Hemsworth. When flies date, they go to the finest vomit in town, and then they go to some dog shit. And it's like, oh, wow, he really is. He's taking me to the fine. He's getting some tonight. That's what the female. Hot, hot, sexy date place. All right, so who else do we have writing in with soups? John Renninger writes, the first thing I thought of for soup has probably already been picked, but the quote is that T spells gruesome, which <laughs> Sheriff Kurt Russell buys. That's because it's soup. Oh, hey, can I have some? The second is change my order to the soup, spoken by John Candy in Spaceballs after witnessing the alien burst out of John Hurt, who had the special, which Barf originally ordered. <laughs> my final choice is the turtle soup from Babette's Feast. I just remember the live turtle in several scenes in the villagers stunned reactions to it yeah that sounds yeah uh, i couldn't eat turtle soup get a piece of shell the turtle's still alive no yeah yeah how hungry are you me That's right all. now uh, i could go for like a sandwich or something oh. okay dingus how hungry are you right now? <laughs> let's go out I'm, after this i'm good Eat us tacos Josh Lubliner writes, this is a difficult subject, because if you think about it, isn't every movie about soup, really? When we talk about a movie from start to finish, we say soup to nuts. When a character's in trouble, we say he's in the soup. When we watch someone like Jack, 
Jake Geats trying to solve a mystery, or Rick Blaine trying to muddle his way through difficult times, we know that what they're really trying to do is get themselves a nice chat or bisque. And despite the fact that every anime movie, without fail, has a scene where people eat ramen, I will take pity on you and not mention any of them. Number Tell me one, real quick, can we back up? When who tries to solve a mystery? Yeah. Jake Geats? No. Oh my god, seriously, Kellywand? I never, even when he says it in the movie, I can't say it. He keeps calling him Mr. Giddis. Like, it's, come on. Jake Geats. No, it's no, not he's, Giddis. He's not saying it right in the movie. <laughs> Jake Giddis. Everybody says it. That's his name. Jake Geats. Come he's on, you bunch of, bunch of Chinatown illiterates here. Ugh. It's a perfect movie. How can you not know that? Mr. Giddis. Like, how can you not see John Huston saying that his name? Mr. Giddis. All right. So carry on, Kelly. So Josh Lubliner, what, what did he go with? No one calls him Geats in that movie? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> he does often post GIFs, though. I knew a woman whose last name was D-I-T-Z. Or no, yeah, yeah. And, and she, and she, I felt really bad for her, but she said it was pronounced Dietz. A guy uh, made fun of me for the podcast one time because I kept saying uh, the word groin as groin. <laughs> but, the, but the reason I do that is because when I read uh, The Hobbit when I was a kid, there's those two dwarves named Owen and Glowen. And I was going, oh, it's Owen and Gloin. And then my stepfather went, no, look, there's an accent mark over the O. It's Owen and Gloin. Oh, I thought so it was Gloin too. It's not Gloin. Huh, okay. Yeah, it's Glowen the dwarf. But in Board of the Rings, it's so that that even further confused me. Yeah. Because I read Board of the Rings. So there. I'm a genius. <laughs> Number three, Josh Lubdelinger continues. Oh, uh, I was going to say, uh, duck soup doesn't have soup in it. it. doesn't have duck soup in it, but there's a line where Groucho's all, oh, you put a bunch of turtle and a bunch of uh, fish heads in soup. Then you'll in a pot and you'll duck soup forever. <laughs> Number three of Josh Lubliner writes, "Oh, that tea smells gruesome. It's soup. Oh, you think I could have some? The soup and bone tomahawk represents subverted expectations. You expect tea, but you get soup. You expect a wild west adventure, but you get a horror movie. You thought maybe you'd never see Matthew Fox again, but there he is." <laughs> Schlubliner, <laughs> bit on a roll here. Number two. Lifeflobial reckoning. Yeah. As a kid growing up in LA, nothing colored my picture of the future more than Blade Rider. No, I didn't care about flying cars or off world colonies or humanoid robots. What I was looking forward to was walking up to a roadside bar on a rainy evening and ordering a ramen, just like Deckard. It's 2019, and I've still never seen an open air roadside ramen bar. Ridley Scott lied to me. I'm <laughs> devastated. <laughs> Dude, that, that's how I felt in 2001. Uh, I thought he was thought. dumplings. Two, two, four. Tell Dingus a meeting. Number one, uh, I think we all know that when the definitive history of stupid movies is written, an Ebert has been taken from us, so I think you'll have to do it, Kelly. There is only one movie that can be considered the apex, the sine qua non of stupid movies. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. Or Kate Capshaw. Presented with such horrifying foods as live snakes and beetles, orders a simple soup. But of course, when she puts in her spoon, it's got eyeballs in it. Oh, Temple of Doom, you and your wacky hijinks. 
Thanks. Be sure to give us some notice when you're going to do salads in movies, because that one's <laughs> going to be difficult. I was going to do croutons separately, and then dressing, and then Ian Slutz writes. For this 3x3, three three, I am refusing to recognize the lines between porridge, stew, and soup. If I Ooh. risk jail, so be it. Yeah, porridge is breakfast soup. It's all man-made bullshit, all the semantics. However, I promise you this, I will start with the least soupish. By the time we're done, I will illustrate the maximum soup attainable in cinema. Well, be to any who thinks they can best the best soup on film coming your way. Quote, there's possum in these beans and spices, too. I tried hard. In Dead Man, Johnny Depp wanders <laughs> into a campfire meal being taken by an odd trio. Big George and Benmont don't see eye to eye on Sally's beans, but there's no doubt of their fondness for Depp's hair. Iggy Pop's dress, the odd biblical talk, and the low-energy killing has stuck with me all these years. But I always wondered, would the possum in those beans really set Big George's gut straight? So is what, is what they feed them at the beginning of Assassination of Jesse James soup? Yeah, uh, beans. Another, soup. Uh, it's not. It's oh. stew. I, I want another piece of meat. Some bacon fat. I mean, that that's different. <laughs> I think it's like soups like Eskimos and ice. Like you just have a bunch of different names for it: stew, right. broth. You know, if you drink it and it's got pieces in it, it's soup. All right. Quote one: He was licking me. Quote two: Stew a la a la Major Knox. Oh yeah, stew a la Major Knox. I was I was about this movie recently uh, for some reason. I think because I watched Train Spotting too, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, Robert Carlyle. Remember when he was?" The stew oh. in question forms a major moral fulcrum for the horror movie *Ravenous*. Guy Pierce must choose between eating the cannibal concoction or dying on the spot. At first, he resists as Robert Carlyle and Jeffrey Jones happy chat about the best way to be comfortable and civilized while preying on humans. Once he succumbs, the cannibals think they have him, but ultimately, he proves he's made of stronger moral stuff. A terrific horror romp. Hmm. Remember that music, Tom, in Ravenous? I don't remember the music. What was it? Like some antiquated or some? Oh no, I don't remember that. Like weird instruments, and then this. I I remember exactly how it goes. It's weird. Was it twenty years ago? Well, the cannibal thing makes me think of the road, actually, and when they find that that cellar with the, the soup and the fruit and everything in it. Yeah, that makes it seem kind of quaint. But getting back to uh, Ian Slutz's, uh, quote, first observe the whole bowl. Appreciate its gestalt. Is it gestalt or gestalt? Gestalt. I, I always thought it was a hard G. Gestalt. I might be wrong. I thought, it was a, I thought it was gestalt. I don't know. Gestalt sounds right, but gestalt probably is right. So then, say it. Anyway, first yeah, observe the whole bowl. Yeah, they didn't call it the Gestapo. Right. And gazpacho. Savor the aromas. Jewels of fat glittering on the surface. Shinichiku roots shining. I was thinking about this movie, too. I've seen it. Seaweed slowly sinking. Spring onions floating. Concentrate on the three pork slices. They play the key role, but stay modestly hidden. First caress the surface of the chopstick tips to express affection. Fuck, now I wish I'd picked God of Cookery. All right, anyway. One, this ain't one of them animes. Two, anybody that participated in this 3 by 3 did not select a bowl of ramen from Juzo and Tommy's best film is a damn fool. It was either misguided or missing out. 
Tampopo. We watch Sutomu, oh. Yamazaki, Ken Watanabe, and Nobuku, Nobuko Miyamoto's misadventures in trying to craft the perfect bowl of ramen. What we learn is that ramen, as in love, what we learn is that in ramen, as in love, there is no the one. But with care and affection, sublime is attainable in all its many variances. <sighs> I haven't I really seen. Want to. I haven't seen Tampopo. Oh, you uh, love it. It's really well, good. Uh, I, uh, one of our friends, Clay, uh, told me that, you know, uh, in an in a private message, basically, he said, "You haven't? Are you crazy?" So. Yeah, you'd love it because it's all well. I, that quote, like, it's very food esque, and you're sort of food centric person. Like, you want me to send you pictures of food stuff which i yeah. used to think was crazy but now i've become like that and now i'm like you and i want to see other people's food it's fascinating i don't know why it's textured color uh, yeah because i can't cook so to me it's a very foreign universe that i can only spectate at for for me it's about traveling uh i you know i'm not going to get to uh you know Amsterdam anytime soon. So seeing what you eat when you go there, because you live in Hamburg and you can go to Amsterdam fairly. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it's fairly easily, but you can go there. I'm fascinated to see not only the. I don't want to see pictures of buildings necessarily, but I'm interested to see that the the things that you're eating. Uh, yeah. I don't know why that is. Uh, I think that because for me, travel equates to you can relate the, to it. The things that you are going to look forward to eat. Plus, what are you going to do to the building besides so stare at it? Well, as the soup is this sensory explosion. And I've had way more exotic food out here than I ever had. Oh, all right. But Spain was more exotic than Amsterdam. Spain is an amazing food country. I yeah. mean, that's Denmark another thing. Denmark was interesting, too. Is seeing the is seeing the choices people make because you know it's a you're you're right about like what am I going to do I looked at that building there it is, but you're you're choosing things off of a menu that changes, uh, so I find that fascinating. I just find it fascinating that it tells me something about the person eating and it tells me something yeah. about what they're eating, uh, and I really like that. And Paris was good. Well, and then what they choose to put together like combinations. Yeah. That it. I mean, Dave Perkins writes, gentlemen, there's but one soup scene that I love. Here's a bit of dialogue from it. Okay. Oh, the tea smells gruesome. It's soup. Oh, you think I could have some? And a bit later. I was out on a night ramble just to get some clean air, you know, and it put some fresh flowers on Nadine's grave. And what I do, I decide to go the long way, you know, like the Sereno does on patrol over in Spain. And what I do, I see this fell in the perimeter, Sheriff. I don't know. This tastes like corn. It's corn chowder. Oh, the things are lining up. This is Chickory talking to Sheriff Hubbard. One more bit. I forgot the spoons. Think you can drink this without burning your mouth? Oh, I like challenges. Chickory <laughs> might be my favorite character in film. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love that what Dave wrote calls to mind what Tom said about the dialogue in that movie because he says he's out on a ramble. Yeah. I love come, that. Some people talked cool. Now look at us. Hamburgers? Jesus Christ. Did you guys see Craig Zoller's next movie? At, uh, Brawl in Cell Block 99? Fight in Cell... What is it? Something in Cell Block 99. Uh, he made Vince that? Vaughn. Yeah, yeah. You didn't recommend it. No. It's, it's really disappointing that he goes from Bone Tomahawk to this weird Vince it's Vaughn... Under the Silver Lake. ...prison movie. Uh, what's uh, Under the Silver Lake is the It Follows guy, right? 
yeah. it's not. I don't. I don't know how bad Under the Silver Lake is, but is it, it his glass? Uh, Brawl on Cell Block ninety nine <laughs> is just. It's you just can't go in expecting it to be anything like Bone Tomahawk. Bone Tomahawk. When you just watch that opening sequence with David Arquette, and I don't know who the other actor is. Sid Haig. He's a veteran of horror yeah. movies, us. Oh, man. He is so good. Whenever – just the way he directs the conversation, the way he directs where they're going. We're going straight through here, and this is what we're doing. I love the way he talks. I love his dialogue. Do you remember his name? No. Buddy. Because that's the name that then David oh. Arquette gives for himself. Uh, oh. when, when, when Kurt Russell says, what's your name? And he thinks from an, and he goes, buddy. And Kurt Russell says, oh, you had to think about that. <laughs> yeah. You don't act much like a buddy. I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's making fun of me. Something, something, something named buddy. Uh, when you were reading that. that that bit of Richard, Richard Jenkins dialogue, Kelly Wan, what I'd forgotten until I watched the scene, well, I'd, just what struck me watching the scene, and it's, it's just emblematic of how good Richard Jenkins is, is when he gives that little speech, which is exposition about how they're going to go arrest Deputy Dewey, uh, when he says, I was at, uh, I was bringing flowers to Nadine's grave, he takes a pause, and is kind of yeah. indulgent, uh, but Richard Jenkins just, he he just lets himself feel it for a moment, and he sits there, and you might think he's going to then say, oh, that's my dead wife, and he doesn't need to, and the script doesn't need him to say that, but he just takes a bit of a pause and kind of stares off for a minute, and then resumes. It's just a, a, yeah. a great poignant humanizing moment for what would normally be the, the comedic relief. Watch and, that, Taylor Lautner, and maybe he and, learns a little something. Meanwhile, Kurt Russell's, like, messing around with his magnifying glass. I love, yeah. yeah. It's like he's doing accounting or something. I don't know what he's got going over there. That's great. I think he's learning CSI because he's got, like, a, this is a blonde hair. I mean, I think that he's, like, CSI, <laughs> bone, uh, uh, what is it, Brighton Hope? Uh, Bright Hope, yeah, population mm. – what was it, 428 or something? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I also love the way he shoots – uh, David are getting the leg. It's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, all right, casual. fine. I told you I was going to do this, but all right, fine. It's Thursday. Oh, and then boy. doesn't she say something like, just because it, you don't have? I, I forget what her line is. It's like everybody who gets in front of your gun doesn't need a bullet or something right. like that. Do you guys remember how we did uh, uh, how we did Bone Tomahawk on the podcast? What do you mean? We did a three by three of yeah, because I forced you guys to see oh, it yeah, by yeah, making yeah. us do a three by three of your favorite lines from Bone Tomahawk, and you guys hadn't even seen it yet. <laughs> it was my way of tricking you into seeing it. And it's got yeah. Lily Simmons in it. That's a brutal movie to watch. It is so brutal, but it's it, the dialogue. I mean, it is so clean. It I don't understand how you did that. I I I look at it and I think about it as a writer. How did you do that? How did you come up with this these lines? How did you do that? The action's so good when it finally happens too. And it's such a weird cast. No pun intended. <laughs> I did think at one moment when I was watching it this time that that Richard Jenkins was using a spoon in the background. Yeah. But I might have just mis mis seen that. I was just picturing Taylor Lautner's face when someone tells him the tangerine line. Oh God. Are there any other listeners, Kelly Wand? Yeah, sorry. Uh, Arthur Giovanangeli wrote in to say Murder by Death, number three, Alec Guinness playing the- I thought of this one too. This is actually the first one I thought of and then I 
I came up with uh, down Periscope. <clears throat> Alan Guinness playing the blind butler, James Sir Benson, um, <laughs> attempts to serve a course of soup to the dinner guests of Mr. Tway, but is told he's not actually serving soup because the cook didn't make any. I guess I'm picking the absence of soup because he's blind, so he's like ladling nothing into these bowls, but he doesn't know it, so we're watching him do it. But it's Alan Guinness doing it, so it's like he's using the force. Mm. Uh... I don't get in too much trouble because I enjoy the hot nothing that Guinness tried to serve the guest. Let me tell you guys, when I saw the movie when I was a kid, I go, it ends in just like there's a bunch of twists that don't make sense and this person's dead and this person's that character and it's all gibberish. When I was a kid, I go, oh, I have to understand this. I have to make, this all has to add up to something. I didn't realize like that was the joke was that it didn't make sense. I was trying to go, wait, but how could she have done that? Uh, I was a troubled child. Number two, Finding Forrester. Uh, yeah, I thought wow. of this one too, sadly. Rob Brown asked Sean Connery a question about his soup, which he answers, but when Brown tries to ask a question of a more personal nature, Connery tells him that he should have stuck with the soup question. I like the term <laughs> soup question, and I use it when people try to ask me something I don't want to answer. Nobody gets the reference, but it's still fun to do. <laughs> I say Manos Hands of Fate when on a long drive and nothing's happening. Cool, huh, guys? Number one, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers? Eowyn makes some questionable soup that Aragorn's encouraged to consume. We find out through this scene that Aragorn's almost 90 years old and that he's a gentleman, even when chivalrous behavior, such as eating dreadful soup, causes him discomfort. I'm pretty sure the scene was only in the extended edition. Hopefully that doesn't disqualify it. I don't remember that happening. I mean, I can picture it happening, but I'm not... It sounds like something from a McConaughey movie. I remember it happening. I thought when they... Is this Arthur Givangeli? Yeah. I thought he was going to mention the rabbit stew. Uh, And a brace of conies. Yeah. That's all we have from the listeners, but it's still a lot more than I expected. Uh, Go ahead. Runners up. Uh, other any soups that you guys couldn't get onto your list? I'm surprised no one mentioned Young Frankenstein. Well, that's another blind man delivering soup. Yeah, it's the opposite joke. He yeah. doesn't think. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's Gene Hackman doing comedy too, so you gotta sort of cherish it. So when when Tom said with with Neil and I, it was it was just basically a mention of soup, but not actual soup. It suddenly made me think of Best in Show, where she's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. we. We both like soup. We like peas. <laughs> um, yeah. I think I think my very favorite, though, but it's from a movie I hate. But it's my favorite scene from a movie I hate uh, is from X Men: Days of Future Past. And uh, that's a good one. And it's the moment where yeah. Quicksilver has his um, his Tom. Uh, is it Tom Croce? Jim Croce. Jim Croce. Thank you, Tom. Sorry. His Jim Croce uh, scene and where he runs around the room and he just dips his finger in the soup and licks his finger. Uh, He's I a just, cutie. I just love that scene. So I can watch that scene over and over and over again. It's just one of those scenes that I I just love the way it's filmed. Uh, it's it's an impossible movie to plow through, though. Good Lord. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know how sometimes I'll tell you uh, – I tried to watch just a scene from the movie, and then I got caught up in it. This does not happen. No, that's the only scene I remember from that movie. 
Literally, the only scene I remember from it. Uh, and then also, uh, uh, there's a there's a cute scene in in Ratatouille where where the rats helping him make soup. Kelly, one day uh, runners up for you. I had this on my list, and I go, I don't really want to talk. There's not much to say about it, but I really like in uh, Existence when um, Jude Lo- they're in the Chinese restaurant and uh, he assembles a gristle gun from his soup contents and then he shoots his waiter. Ah, I didn't know that was from soup. Yeah, that is a good one. Yeah, and you can't. You're looking at the soup, and it's like, what the fuck is that? Is he eating shark fin? And then he makes a gun. Right, right. That works. So, yeah, you know, Temple of Doom. (laughs) All right, well, Dingus, what are we doing next month? What what can the listeners be thinking about uh, over the next month about uh, three by three picks? All right, this is your favorite scenes. in grocery stores now <laughs> we're gonna do more food yeah that, yeah we are no that doesn't have to be food it's you can buy other stuff scene. at a grocery store kelly wand so All right, i already have my number three Continue. we've done we've done shopping uh by and large our shopping scenes were things like uh the terminator going through a department store those kinds of things that was um, a good one i like this topic we've done scenes where we did hardware stores uh but as far as I can tell from the research I've done into our past, we have not done grocery stores particularly. And what I think that, that it's marts. Uh, but I think that there's a particular nature to grocery stores, um, especially since uh, I go to them a lot. So uh, <laughs> uh, grocery stores is our you next have to one. show your ID at them, too. And Dingus, uh, what if listeners are like, oh, yeah, I know a great scene in a grocery store. What should they do? All right. What they should do is they should write into 3by3 at quarter to 3com That's 3x3 at quarter to 3 spelled out, dot com. And, and get I, those, I don't know what our date is. Uh, I haven't even looked at it. Get those to us by uh, Sunday, March 3rd, midnight Pacific, and we will read those on the air. <laughs> grocery stores. So now uh, they're the beginning of a month thing. Oh, are we supposed to do it at the end of the month? No, because it's, it's the fourth right now. I know. they got to have time. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. So for the next, topic. next several weeks, be thinking about grocery stores. Join us for that. And Kelly Wand, what movie should we see next week? This is this is on you. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> uh, uh, I guess Serenity, because uh, I'm not getting the Neeson. And what if the listeners have something to say about Serenity? Write your thoughts. If you have thoughts about Serenity the movie, not the sorry. not the Josh Whedon thing. Ugh. Josh Whedon, and not the concept of Serenity. Josh Whedon, but um, and not Sahara, the other Matthew McConaughey one-word title that starts with S movie. But Serenity, send their send the thoughts in written form to the exact same address Dinga said, 3x3 at quarter3spelledout.com, but with serenity in the subject line. And get those to us also by March 3rd. Or no, no, by <laughs> actually February 10th. That'd be yeah, kind of funny. You got a whole month to see serenity. Right. No, get that to us by February 10th, midnight Pacific, and we'll read those on the air. Join us for wow. a serenity podcast next week. So I'm Tom Chick. I've been here with Christian Merlinski. It's Christian Murawski. And Kelly Wand. What is soup's favorite part of wedding day? Consummate the marriage. Ah. <laughs> one, two, three, not only you and me. Got 180 degrees and I'm caught in between. Counting one, two, three.
What is Mr. Freeze's favorite soup? Gazpacho! Ah! I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, yes, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. What the soup scared of? Cataxula! Ah! What? That's not soup related. What an idiot. Fuck him. Stupid Schwarzenegger. Is that funny? He can't do comedy.